the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider, brought to you by the Hyundai A-League. Be part of the action this season. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. There's barely room in the broom cupboard uh, because we have got, as usual, editor Aidan Ormond. Hello. Online editor Kevin Ayres. Hey. Very, very special guest and uh, friend of the pod, Sarah Walsh. Hello. And we've also got our work experience boy, Matt Wynn, who's in for the week, seeing how things are put together. We might get him on the mic a little bit later. He's now looking... Very scared. <laughs> and obviously producer Simon is with us, as always. Um, never a dull moment in football. So much to talk about. A-League, W-League kicking off this weekend. Socceroos, World Cup qualifiers. Oh, my God. Right, let's go. A-League review. Kev, kicked off Adelaide, Western Sydney Wanderers. I was pummeling Adelaide United in our sort of uh, season preview. Showing us, isn't it? Well, no, I I still don't think uh, we're going to be far off the mark, to be honest. We were showing up, not quite showing up in the first week. What we said was, if Vidicic plays to his potential that we've been waiting for, then Adelaide will be a force to be reckoned with. He did in the first game, and they were. They were impressive. Second game, they didn't have Vidicic, and they beat West Sydney Wanderers 1-0. Not necessarily the most impressive Scoreline. Geronimo's looking good. Uh, they have Best name in the A-League. It is. Superb. Uh, so there was uh, demands for Brenton Speed to be more ex- a, a, a explicit and emotional with his uh, commentary when he scores. Um, but I still don't necessarily... Still not convinced by them. Still not convinced. They're better than I was expecting, but I'm still not necessarily convinced. Uh, I think uh, we'll see better, obviously, further down the season. Okay, so we'll, we'll obviously get to the W League uh, a little bit later, but obviously, yeah, you're sat here in your Western Sydney Wanderers polo shirt. Uh, have you followed the sort of progress of the men in the first couple of games? Uh, a little bit. I've seen the highlights of the games, but um, I think, you know, to have high expectations is unrealistic of them at this point. But, um, you know, I think, like us, I think they're going to be very competitive. I went to the launch and they were the words of um, Tony. Um, and a lot of the players feel that they're going to be very competitive. And um, it's, I guess there's still the unknown of, you know, their style of play and, um, you know, how, how they want to play. But, like I said, it'd be unrealistic to, unre- unrealistic to think anything um, more of them at the moment. So. And a massive challenge, not just, obviously, from, from your perspective, putting, putting a men's team on the park in, what was it, three months that they had mm, to do? Pretty much. Three or four months. Um, they've also got a W League side and a youth league side. I mean, how, is, is there that feeling of, uh, of the club building that, that you're all in it together and it, it is one club? Um, to be honest, it has felt uh, pretty rushed. You know, um, we have, I guess, the necessities to be able to, you know, go out and play, but there's still, I guess, some teething problems at the moment. Um, at least we have a we have a field and, uh, you know, we have a team. Uh, we're still finalising a couple of players, but. Um, in terms of, in the, on that respect, it's um, you know we're ready to go, but you know outside, I guess we're a little bit, a little bit behind where Sydney FC are in terms of uh, you know promotions, and uh, that's just to be quite frank, yeah, we're a little bit it's behind the eight ball. Yeah, it is, yeah. and and to think what they what they did in six months is, it's pretty crazy. So 
yeah, at the end of the day, six months ago, the club didn't exist. So, That's right. You know, yeah. to get anything on the park in that kind of space of time is a credit to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the the pick of the week, or where most of the uh, eyeballs were, was Sydney FC versus Newcastle Jets. Uh, builders Del Piero versus Heskey. Uh, both of them delivered goals. I can't believe I saw Emil Heskey score. <laughs> it's like the ultimate cool. insult, wasn't it, for you? After giving him stick for for 25 minutes until he scored, I can't remember when he scored. But uh, all right, um, let's talk about the game first of all. Another defeat for Sydney FC. I know um, a resurgent sort of performance in the second half when they went a bit gung ho, went sort of three at the back, which was really enforced with sort of injury to Adam Griffiths. And yeah. um, what did you make of the game as a whole? Well, I think when you look at this game, it's about the A-League. It's less about the, the individual game. This is the Del Piero home debut. And there's not a person who has been to that game who hasn't come back to me and said, what a great day it was. The atmosphere, to see the goal, to see the fans the way they were, to see the Italian live coverage, which I was watching, actually, as the game was happening. Uh, it, was, it was something special. Um, so I think this, this game will go down in history as being one of the great games in, in the A-League history. And... Um, yeah, I think in the last 20 minutes when Emo got pushed forward and Ryle came on and played on the right side of defence, I think that's... We were discussing this formation, I think, the previous week, and I think that's, that is correct, that that's the way it should be, that Emo needs to be closer to Del Piero and Ryle is, I think, more suited to a right-sided defensive position. So, as a player, um, you know, we've seen it with Beckham when he came and 85,000, all eyes on him, delivered from a free kick. We've seen it with Del Piero. Is this... You know, is this the mark of a truly great player that from a dead ball situation like that, they can deliver that when they know that everybody is there watching them? I mean, how hard is that to focus and do that? I've got to tell you, I'm still coming to terms with us using Del Piero and Sydney FC in the same sentence <laughs> as anyone else. I still can't believe he's here. And um, it's just so fitting that he come out and scored a free kick like that. But, you know, all the, I guess all the people that are on board, you know... Um, I guess, you know, riding Sydney off this early is just ridiculous to me. Um, you know, his, his class will sh- shine through and once they find their feet, they'll, you know, they'll, um, you know, they'll move on, I think, fine. Uh, I think they'll st- still make the top four. Um, but in terms of, I think, more off the field, what that did, the fans and, um, you know, look at the 35,000 sellout in A-League. I mean, if I was in the NRL... You know, I'd be thinking, what can we do? What uh, international signings can we get? None. Yeah. So uh, I think for what, what that's done off the field is, is more and more important to me at this point. So, yeah. Cool. I mean, my footage, I, I took some footage from the yes. back of the coast yes. of that. I just knew he was going to score. So I started, <laughs> my, I started my phone as soon as the free kick was given because I was like, he's going to score it. And yeah. he did. A bit disappointed that he ripped it off and put it on his own face, but he didn't link to it. I follow him on Twitter and I saw he's put up a video and it's oh, it's Jacko's video. It's got fourteen thousand likes and seven hundred and eighty comments on his Facebook page. How many did you have? Did you have it on YouTube? Four hundred views on YouTube, yeah. Only only four hundred I was gonna say you could have monetized that I wish I'd just put the four four two watermark on it. Yeah, it's true. Learn from that. Just yeah. At the end of the game, empty stadium, I was sat there and uh, there was Terry McFlynn in the corner of the pitch, no one around, just doing his doggies. 
just keeping mm-hmm. his fitness up for like 20, 25 minutes. Yeah. Just working hard. No one was around, still in his kit, just doing his, his work. He came off after 70 minutes. And that says a lot about him. Although I have to say that you know Jason Kalina coming into the club, he probably suits... Should we save that for the preview? No, let's let's talk about McFlynn, you know, because one of the talking points that came out of the game and Ian Crook afterwards was the the sort of ironic cheers that resonated when McFlynn was substituted, which is never nice. It's never nice, but the the bottom line is Sydney improved when he came off. They they played better football when he was off, and he is, you know, Sydney through and through. He's a great character. He gives everything for uh, for the club, but... I think the A-League's just developed beyond him. He's, he's no longer up to, to the speed, to the capabilities of the A-League. I was reading uh, one of the blogs uh, during the week who'd done a complete analysis of his passing and everything else. And his passing figures aren't that bad. You know, 79% completed passes uh, and a lot of them forward. But he receives the ball facing backwards. Uh, too often, which is something the blog picked up. So he's immediately on the back foot when he's doing that, and he's limiting his options, and as a result, getting overrun. Uh, He's also dropping too deep to receive the ball. Often he's dropping in between the centre-backs to receive the ball. He can receive the ball in space, but you argue, well, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. The centre-back might as well pass it from He's He's receiving the ball from the centre-backs. Almost like a centre-half more than a holding midfield. I mean, I, I, I was talking to people at the game and said... It wouldn't, given Sydney's crisis and centre back at the moment, it wouldn't be the worst word to play him at centre back. Somebody you were suggesting was it right back for him? Uh, yeah, I mean you, he can play right back as well. Yeah, um, he can push I, Ryle forward. I, 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 um, I well, personally think well, well, yeah. himself as in the centre. Yeah, yeah. I, I think maybe you know just keeping him on the bench as well, so that could be the future for him. Yeah, bring him off the bench when you know they need to tie a game down. That'd be my just suggestion. And on, on Del Piero, I think one of one of the best things that I saw in that game and uh, was his attitude at the final whistle in that you know he was despondent at the final whistle he was pretty head down like disappointed because his team had lost you know and, and that says a lot to me about his character in that he could have been hey look I've delivered I'm not, you know doesn't matter about the you know, Slam Del Piero but he was genuinely <coughs> reflecting on a, another defeat for his team rather than the goal that he'd scored and you know mm. so I think yeah very encouraging and uh, I guess the only issue for Sydney SC is the next game to ANZ which might sort of lose a little bit of the momentum should have uh, been at Leichhardt should have yeah. been at Leichhardt said this before but the one after is against victory at home yeah. 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 yeah turn it around the, uh, just before we leave this interesting between the two marquees again uh, from that blog Kate Cohen soccer wordpress.com um, Heskey had 41 seconds of possession for the entire match uh, Del Piero had 109 seconds which to be honest doesn't seem very much for either of them but uh, it's interesting that uh, it shows the kind of game that Del Piero plays where he had almost three times as much possession as uh, Heskey and he's obviously, again, like we said before, having to come back deeper, pick up the ball and create chances for himself. Craig Goodwin, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's great guy. Good to goal. serving KFC in Melbourne and playing in the VPL, played in the VPL grand final. I saw that grand final live. I saw that player, he's going to make it. Arthur Pappas told me about him. Sure enough, goes to heart. But Hitch is regular left back. He goes to Jets and look what he's done. Oh, he's and I've actually made some notes here when I was looking at this round as a whole. You know, for all of the, the contributions of the marquees and whatever, you, you could probably pick out Ian Ramsey, Craig Goodwin, Aziz Bayich, and Trent Sainsbury as 
real standouts of this round you know that are young Aussie lads that are yeah. taking advantage of the opportunities that have been given which is fantastic Ramsey's pass assist was God. just yeah. quality. delicious I mean, it was beautiful you played overseas as well I mean you're a Craig Goodwin suddenly you're live on Italian television you know the chance of perhaps snagging a, a Serie B contract or maybe a Serie A you know you never know suddenly you're in the shop window live football I'll tell you there's I mean, some some of those occasions become too big for you know those kids, but there's a, there's a handful out there, you know, like the Caitlin Fords that just don't care. I wasn't like that at eighteen, you know, nineteen, twenty, whatever. But yeah, I mean, he's born for it, and you can tell that you know the occasion wasn't too big, and he actually just sort of it was, took it as an opportunity. And I mean, everything you know should be coming his way. It's great to see a Blake Powell come off the bench and score for Sydney. So you sent Blake down to speak to my uh, Sutherland under 11s, and uh, yeah. I sent them all an email saying, "Did you watch Blake score? He's uh, he come off the bench." And uh, I was more pleased for him for what that stood for. You know, it's like everything there. Delpio was great, but for a local lad from the Shire, yeah. come off the bench, score in front of 35,000. You know, yeah. never made a rep side, never made an institute side. Just really, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know, so. Uh, yeah, excellent. All right, Brisbane, uh, the return of Ange to Suncorp. Uh, and he got a spanking, 5-0, it ended up. What a classic. That's, I mean, just, you would, I can't even begin to think what the odds were against that, uh, what money that would have paid. Uh, that was really quite comprehensive. Uh, victory, the signs were from last week that the fence was still in a terrible state as it was last season. And uh, they didn't show it up at all. Uh, Brisbane Row just ran over them. And, you know, all credit to Rado. That just really uh, stamped his uh, mark of independence from uh, his former master. Yeah. And obviously uh, a clear indication, I know, of the job that he's still got ahead of him mm. at Victory to, uh, to get anywhere near to what he achieved at Brisbane. Now, I think some of the Raw fans' comments before that, that it took a little while for him to, to implement the Raw strategy and philosophy of the club. It didn't happen straight away. It took a while, and it's going to take a little while. He was missing key players, Archie, Milligan, and Rojas. They come back this week for Friday night, so that, that's going to be great for him. But look, Thomas was poor in goal as well, let's face it. Um, his, his work with the high balls, it, it, he'll be disappointed. He's a good keeper, but he'll be disappointed with that. I think you know there's a couple of interesting uh, moves that Ange made there. Bring Naboo in uh, for his, his Naboot, yeah. Naboot, yeah. Uh, for he his, did a penner, by the way. Did he? Oh, I missed yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Um, for his debut, uh, was a, a very brave move, and that obviously didn't pay off at all. Uh, having the pre-season choice of losing Kovic and uh, you know putting his faith in Thomas and uh, Valapi, that also seems to be not paying off for him either. So, you know, uh, but I remember when he took over at Roar, there was a few decisions there that I thought were very dodgy and they paid off in the end, so I'm sure he, I'm sure he does know what he's doing. But I think I think that did but okay when he came on. I, I felt sure a bit of confidence. He was a young kid. I, I think he only played he, in the youth team like one game. He didn't do badly, week. but, uh, you know, he didn't have a huge particular impact on the game. Uh, he was making up numbers, really, to be honest, I thought. Okay. So as a player... Um, you know, you play for a number of different coaches in your time. I mean, how long does it take for a coach to sort of get over the way that they want to play, you know, and, and implement that sort of philosophy if it's different from what's been there before? 
Um, like I, like uh, you just mentioned before, it took a while for um, Ange to be able to build that. One thing that I can say is that I spent a bit of time with Brisbane Roar up there with um, our illicit drugs in sport program. There is a culture about that team that I didn't find at any other A-League team. Um, it was very welcoming. Um, there were no big shots. Broish, when I was there, I actually didn't know it was Broish at the time. Uh, relaxed guys. We just hung out in the change rooms, and um, there's just something different about them. Uh, and I'm just going to say it. There was time spent at victory, and there was, I guess, a, an air of arrogance with some of the players. And I think it's going to take him a while to be able to get that out of him. Uh, you know, I thought it would have changed a little bit having some competition with Hart, but uh, I think generally that's the culture within the team. And I think it's going to take him a little bit of time to be able to create what he had in Brisbane. It's that fine line, isn't it, between... Because I, I think Andrew's even used the word arrogant on the... In that he wants them to be arrogant on the pitch. Yeah. He wants players to, you know, express themselves and demand the ball and, you know, not be afraid to, you know, that bravery to receive the ball then takes turning that off when you get off the pitch. Yeah, you know? I mean, well, you, I, I respect Flores so much. Um, you know, he has that air of arrogance, but, and I've met him off the field, but off the field he's a totally, totally different guy, whereas I feel that, you know, some of that arrogance on the field comes off, to be honest. So I think until he can cut that out and, you know, they need to basically start from scratch at the moment. There's no reason that they should have... Be over arrogant. Well, five nil defeat might work. Might yeah. Serve, yeah. We'll Edith see. Got to slap you down to Eris. And they go into this weekend's game bottom of the, la- uh, the ladder against the top side in the ladder, Adelaide. So, mm. so. always a bit of feeling, Melbourne yeah. Adelaide. So it'd be a good way to start the round off. Um, Melbourne Hart, Wellington Phoenix, ending one all. Um, Hart took the lead through Matt Thompson. Uh, Paul Eiffel levelled things up from the penalty spot following a red card for Simon Colosimo. Uh, no real t- disputes there. No, nah, uh, even I, even I accepted that one. Yeah. <laughs> Outstanding work from footballers Chris Greenacre uh, on the bench while Ricky was coaching the national team. I thought it was brilliant. What a brilliant performance from from Wellington. Um, there were some players there that I've ne- I'm the editor of Four Footers and I haven't heard of them. Biss. Rome, I'd never heard of them before. They're from the academy, I think. I had this on my fantasy football team. Oh, yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah. Just show it off there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> online versus print. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, where was Bisborn? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good back to you, No, I, th- I thought it was an outstanding performance from Wellington. Um, they were under the pump for the first half. Um, Hart looked good, useful, and signed Grella this week as well, so they're going to be get even stronger, I think. Second half, penalty changed everything, and Eiffel was outstanding. A player who has effectively got 45 minutes of football in him, played the full game, and uh, yeah, Fenton again showed what he can do. But then you'd also argue from, from Aloisi's perspective, Kev, um, down to 10 men, holding out. Oh, for the draw. I thought it was another sterling performance report. From that. Yeah, oh. I see what you did there. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> um, yeah, no, again, Hart, you know, very well drilled. Uh, just so impressed with what uh, John Alois has done down there. Uh, he's turned out a team that uh, exceeding any of my expectations. Uh, and yeah, all, full, all part of it. Amy Park, you can hardly see the game. I mean, then with the oh, shade, yeah, with I mean, the shade. literally cannot see half the game. Yeah, it was uh, given the cameras a few what, headaches. What you had no difficulty seeing again. Was Hayden Fox? <laughs> it's not because you've seen it. Oh, I've saw photos. <laughs> it's not because of his, his trademark. Socks up, full kit, 
Go on, my son. <laughs> All right. Um, Central Coast Mariners, Perth Glory, uh, rounded out round two. Um, as we expected, it was a bit of an arm wrestle. Um, Daniel McBreen ended up popping up with the uh, winning goal on 70 minutes. Good performance uh, from Trent Sainsbury. He's been getting a plaudits mm. for that. Yep. So deservedly so. Do you learn anything from this? Yeah, don't necessarily buy too many tickets for Perth Glory Central Coast Mariners matches because it's not full of entertainment value. It was uh, an interesting match uh, just to see an arm wrestle. Isn't really exactly, yeah. Um, no, Trent Sainsbury's was the Trent Sainsbury was the interesting uh, development from it because Arnie had been building him up beforehand. It's, there was press releases coming out saying how impressed he was with them, and uh, I'm not sure if there was a confidence issue that you know he felt the need to to build him up in the press like that beforehand. But he certainly lived up to it, uh, and yeah, very good performance. Um, Perth Glory will be un, unhappy to have, to have lost that one. I think they came looking for the draw and they almost got it. And uh, a team playing an all-pink kit for the first time, I think, in the A-League. Uh, it was a really good day for you know, breast cancer sort of research and uh, you know raising money. So that, w- that was an interesting part of the game, but it was a bit tough to watch at times. Okay. Yeah. Uh, early days, of course, two games, but the top of the league, Adelaide on six points, Wellington, Melbourne Heart, and the Mariners on four. Raw, Glory, Jets on three, Western Sydney on one, and bottom of the table, the big guns, or the... Supposed because Sydney FC and Melbourne victory both searching for their first point, and we will uh, we'll debate whether they're going to pick that up this week uh, later on. That's all for part one. We'll be back in part two to have a look at the uh, yesterday's uh, early morning yesterday, the Socceroos uh, who uh, huffed and puffed but finally took care of Iraq. So join us after the break. You know business could be better. You know you need more skills, but you also know you haven't got time to learn those skills. Go to workshops or listen to webinars. Don't stress. Listen to Business Success Radio for all the latest ideas to make your business a success. Get your business on track with the right advice from dozens of Australia's leading business experts in your office, your car or on your phone. Go to businesssuccessradio.com.au and click the Listen Live button. Business Success Radio. Your business, your radio. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are now going to turn our attention to the national team, Socceroos. Uh, Yesterday, finally beat Iraq 2-1. Now, what do we make of this? Mm. Well... There was a technical glitch here at 4.42, which meant that we didn't see the, the opening 30 hey, minutes of the game. Point. I basically <laughs> recorded, set the, the IQ to well, record just it. as well, somebody was actually up and watching them for the, for well, the I, game. I, I set the IQ, sent an email around to the whole company. So anyone who wants to get in will be kicking it off early, 7.45 will watch it. Came in and I'd only recorded the pre-game show. <laughs> 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 so luckily they were replaying it cutting edge of technology they were guys. replaying it from Cut. 7 so we watched from 40 minutes on we managed to watch <laughs> yeah some of us were technology's awake a bit beyond me in the middle of the night some of us watched it alright okay, so you saw the whole of it we saw from 40 minutes on so you, you pick up the first 40 minutes and we'll chime in after first 40 minutes we were better than Iraq but Iraq were awful so doesn't necessarily mean we were good. We were just better than Iraq. Um, we were terrible in the first five to ten minutes when we seemed to just be hoofing the ball 
right up the park. Schwarzer, especially I noticed, was literally kicking it long at every opportunity. To that big man we've got up front. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, um, which, which is, uh, doesn't uh, actually exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're doing that, and it just didn't seem to be working at all. Uh, luckily, we, we hauled it back in again. After about 20 minutes, we, we brought it back under control a bit and started playing neater football. Uh, but we still weren't looking really particularly dangerous. Uh, second half, uh, Iraq scored, and we looked like uh, Rio was all over and done and dusted. Didn't look like we are going to get back into it until the corner. Matt McKay floats it in. And who scored the first one? Kyle. 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 Uh, did as usual, came from behind, slushed at home. And then uh, Tommy Orr came off the bench. Sent in beautiful cross straight to Archie Thompson, and he got us out of jail. Three points, back on the road to Rio, and everyone's healing is a great success, and it's not at all. We're in I mean, dire straits. Quite, quite Foster in a blog yesterday hailed Ossiek's substitutions as a masterstroke. It didn't. I must admit, watching the game, albeit on a delay, didn't feel like a masterstroke to me because the the most concerning thing that I saw was just prior to the equaliser, there was footage of Holger turning his back on the game, walking back to the to the, to the the bench with his head in his hand. He'd run out of shaking ideas. Shaking his head. He'd literally run out of you ideas. Know, so as a player, when you see, if you've seen your coach do that, I mean, how, well, does that, how does that make you feel? You know, if you... Was that after the goal? No, it was, was before the equaliser. Okay. It was almost, so it was it was almost as if... Down, like, yeah. It was just after the Iraqi goal, and it was almost as if he'd said, like... like I don't know what to do, or you know, it's like I'm, I'm just not sure what more we can do here. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's not ideal, uh, you know, how we played the game. Um, a, a couple couple things I do want to say is I don't think um, I don't think people really understand how difficult it is to play away from home in those conditions, um, even when you know you have a team that on paper really should convincingly beat these teams. Those conditions are very hard to play in. I'm not making excuses for them. We definitely, you know, the long ball situation, I have no idea where it's come from. Um, but, you know, obviously, lucky we have Tim Cahill stepping up for us and, and Archie at the end. Uh, those kind of performances won't have us beat, you know, mm. the teams that, that we'll need to beat later on. But at this point for me, uh, results are all that matters, and I know it's it's not nice to watch. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, we did get it get it get it done. But now we have the home games. Um, yeah, no one no one likes to watch us play football like that. But you know, and they they don't. I don't know why they're playing like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm here scratching my head just like everyone else. I mean, for me, the masterstroke really was not from Holger. It was from Tim Kale because until that header, which which let's be honest was the result of a hopeful corner just lofted into the box. It wasn't a set-piece routine. It was a, let's put this in the box. And Cahill and Cahill alone made that. And, oh, yeah. then, and then that then gave the belief back to the team. And all of a sudden, mm. like, we were watching it, there were, there were players, it was the most basic football. It was the ball carrier has the ball, and one player is making a movement to receive it. That's not going to beat even teams that were playing as poorly as Iraq. No. But then all of a sudden, Cahill's goal, people started showing for the ball again. And all of a sudden, the ball carrier had two options and three options. And then, then Tommy Orr came on and mm. gave a bit of pace because it was so on-paced again. See, the thing that, the thing that annoys me, though, with this sort of, oh, you know, Holger's masterstroke, 
we in the press as a whole pretty much were crying out for Tommy Orr to get a shot when he was you know 18 uh, back years ago and Pim Verbeek wouldn't look at him because quote he's only 18 he's not done anything yet that's not the way to think about it. I mean, you know, this is where the Matildas are. I love what the Matildas are doing. Yeah. You know, they've taken a, they've taken a point uh, in time where they can redevelop the, the side yeah. and brought in the teenagers at yeah. just the right moment. And, you know, they've come in and going great guns too. I think the difference is Tommy had no other option. Uh, you had players overnight retiring. Um, you know, that's that really happened quickly for us. Mm. thing that I'm disappointed in... Um, in the coaches that when we played Scotland and Lebanon, why weren't these players there? Exactly. You know, these, yeah. They, they yeah. were the games where they yeah. needed to mm. be trialled. Particularly Scotland. It, it yeah. actually, you know, it's I too think late now. Yeah. this rot really started is. about a year ago mm-hmm. when we had these opportunities. We had friendlies coming up and we were using the same old players over and over again. And it's nothing against Archie. Archie is a great no. player. And Archie got us out of jail last night and we'll all be really grateful to him for that. Mm-hmm. But he should not be in the team. There should be a youngster coming up that should be taking his place or at least challenging him for it and there's not because Holger hasn't been developing the side he started off well and then he stopped about a year ago I mean, let's talk about Archie's sort of outburst after the game immediately interviewed and you know mm. sort of fired back at the critics you know and, mm. and the, again you know it was sort of like what came out was, was very similar to what came out at the Japan game in Brisbane which was the press should be supporting us not mm-hmm. being critical of us and it's like well you know, we're not critical of you. We're critical of the performance, and the performances mm. have not been good. Yeah. And it's, you a know, when Matt Mackay, it's an underlying strategy well, behind it. Well, Matt Mackay has said, you know, and quote, you know, that they, they had an awful attitude in training um, before the Jordan game, and that resulted in a defeat. You know, this is not that's not the press sort of mm. making things up. That's the player from within the camp saying their attitude before the Jordan game was wrong, mm. and they paid for it with a defeat. That you know. So I think, I think the players need to accept that a degree of constructive criticism, you know, is is part of the game, you know. Mm. And the fact of the matter is, is that we need to look at the age of the squad, not now, but also what it's going to be in 2014. And the danger is, we, unless we start bringing the players through now, we're we going to mm. with the we went. I mean, in uh, South Africa, we're the oldest average age. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's going to be two years further down the line. We're looking at Kehoe yes. and Archie being in the team, and you know, over 35 by then. Mm. That's ridiculous. Also, what doesn't help, and I think I've been following um, a lot of the, the journos in the Middle East, is what doesn't help is the siege mentality that the team seems to have around the press at the moment. Uh, they're not that open to the press, whereas the Iraqis were totally open to, to having journalists watch them train, talk to them. So I, that doesn't help. Um, I would also question, um, um, and I know he's 32, but I would just would have thought Bresciano would have played um, rather than having those two holding. But, I mean, there's obviously a tactical reason for that, but I just think we lacked a little bit of creativity in the middle of the park as well. Yeah, certainly in the middle of the, the second half, Bresciano coming off the bench would have been, you would have thought, the, yeah. the obvious move there. Uh, surprising he didn't. I mean, we've been, you know, we've been here before. You know, remember the... Smash and grab in Bahrain, qualifying for yeah. South Africa. Brecht in the yeah. 94th minute, you know, to get to get the win by the skin of the teeth, probably in a, a game that mm. they didn't deserve to win. You know, so this is all part of qualifying through Asia. Yeah, mm. but I mean, you know, four years later, we're still relying yeah. on the same people to get us out of jail. Yeah. I think I think that your point about the Scotland game. I mean, it's what, did we, it what did we get? What did we get from that Scotland game? Are you going to risk a kid? 
In the next game? Are exactly. you gonna, no, yeah. you're not. Because you're not. you know what you're going to get from Archie. We're you know what you're going to get from these yeah. players. But it's too late. You, yeah. you should have trialled him five months ago, six yeah. months ago, yeah. because there may have been someone that you could rely on. But yeah. now yeah. I will play Archie. Like, you know what you're going to get from him. Yeah. It's and about results. Three goals. And that's the remit of Holgorovsky. Yeah. His job is to get us to the World Cup. It's too late now. To it is play. way too late. Yeah. He'll you also know. have a very big bonus riding on qualification. Well, yeah. that's yeah. the other thing. You know, we really have to look at uh, the, the salary structure that the FFA have put in place here because we had the same problem with Pim Verbeek. They get to this nitty-gritty point in the, the, the fixture list where their bonus rests on their qualification and they will do anything they can to get qualified. Mm. And then what happens at the World Cup is irrelevant. And, we, you know, we could all see that Pimpervik was going to get us qualified to the World Cup. But we all knew that as soon as we got there, we were going to get slotted because we weren't bringing in new players, we weren't bringing in youth. Mm. And exactly the same thing's happening again, and except this time it's going to be even worse because these players are all going to be four years older than slotted in uh, Germany. Hypothetical as it turned out, but when we were watching it, we were talking. Had they lost yesterday 1 0, would Holger have gone? I think there would have been a because huge Because there would have been five months till the next pressure. game and four games to decide qualification. I'm pretty sure up. he would have gone. I mean, you know, after the, uh, the Jordan loss, uh, I thought he was going to be in serious trouble after that. Uh, and if we'd lost last night, then I think mm. the overwhelming public opinion and probably the press too would have been that he has to go. We've what would be the alternative, though? Oh, Luke. I mean, if there's a, if there's a problem, <laughs> <laughs> if there's a problem, it's only a problem if there's a solution. And uh, you know, what is this? Gus, uh, you know, everyone always thinks of Gus Hiddink, but he, I think he's earning mega rubles in, in Russia right now. But um, yeah, um, oh, there's I, always somebody. Out there. But I think it's you disturbing can, when you hear you Matt Mackay talk about an awful attitude. That that for me uh, is 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 troubling. Yeah, uh, and a man uh, at least beating. Yeah, a man beating yeah. Jordan has helped. So and the, the the table is uh, Japan are, are pretty much out of sight and win a, win two more games and they'll be there. Uh, they're on ten points. Um, Australia are on five. Uh, Oman are on five. Jordan are on four. Iraq are on two. Um, three of the next four games are at home. Japan away. Um, it's still in our hands. You know, if we beat the three teams at home. That are beneath us. But look at, look at that table. You know that win last night would have turned that table around. Iraq would have been second. We would have been bottom. That's how close we came. Mm. And you know mm. that's. I, I think we're we're looking pretty good to qualify from this position now. Automatically, it's all yeah. down yeah. to yeah. Archie last night. I mean, in, in the other group, uh, Korea Republic lost to Iran, which has opened it right up because they're now equal top on seven points. Uh, that's the Korea Republic and Iran. Uzbekistan are on five points, and Qatar and Lebanon are, are both on four. So there's one win separating mm. top from bottom. So that's going to go. It looks like that's going to go right to the wire. But also, I want to ask uh, you, Sarah, um, when players get interviewed straight after a game and they're hyper and they've just scored the winning goal, they often, you know, as a player, how difficult is it to sort of pull back? Because Archie, you know, didn't let, didn't sort of hold back in his interview. How difficult is it to do an interview straight after a really big game like that? And as a striker, perhaps scoring. Well. It, you know, it, it probably had a lot to do with him scoring, um, you know. Um you look at Harry as well, he's always had something with the media and, and you spoke about the fact that Iraq were open and I think they're very fragile at the moment, the Socceroos, and, you know, mm. when, when uh, reporters write things and they read it, you th it's not water off a duck's back, and they do take it on board. So I, I'm not surprised that they shut off the media beforehand because 
you could tell that you know Archie did feel like he needed to prove himself. So when he did, you know, that, that's his personality as well. Towards the end, you know, coming out at his critics, but you know, he has every right to. You know, he's he's been the only one to really stand up. And as you know, yes, he is old. It's a fact, but. Three goals in three games. He's produced. Yeah. He's produced when we've asked him yeah. to. So. Yeah, but I sort of think, you know, like it's all very well, and you know, I'm sure some of the best players in the world use media criticism as a, you know, as a motivation that like, I'm going to go and prove these wrong. But do they really need to then, you know, the, the the top players do they then come out and shove it back down the press's throat? We don't, do, you know. No. Doing it on the pitch should be enough, really. I just think it's a real dangerous place to go mm. to just create this in a, in a small football nation like Australia for the national team to create this divide between them and what is a you know let's be honest a very small media that you, you, by and large do do the best for the game that they can you've got to wonder about what advice they're getting in relative to that you would think that somebody would be on hand to say no, steer away from that kind of subject but you know uh, just concentrate on your enjoyment and passion for winning and uh, for scoring the goal and Archie is well known to, to, to have all sorts of types of interviews in the media. I know that some media <laughs> officers have been sort of tearing their hair out whenever he goes in front of the press. He so. does tend to run in pure passion and emotion. And he's great and as well. And I love, I love the way that he, he yeah. speaks honestly. Yeah. Yeah, you got to remember also, he's, you know, in the past he's never been a starter. He's starting now and, you know, he's probably surprised himself a little bit. Mm. But he's someone that we're looking to. And, you know, is he the best striker that we have? No. Uh, you know, and we probably have kids out there better, but at this point in time, he is the difference between us being on the bottom of the ladder, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and being second. So, yeah. I don't know. I guess a part of it was warranted, but obviously it doesn't help him. Yeah, yeah it won't I mean, help him. Like we say, it's not against Archie. Archie is brilliant, and we're so grateful to him for getting out of jail uh, last night. But we need to have young stars coming through to challenge him. To make, uh, if we had developed a year ago, then possibly we'd have an entirely different team out there mm. uh, the n- night before last that would have dominated Iraq and won 5 0, and it wouldn't have been an issue. None mm. of that would have been necessary. We don't know because we haven't tried. I think Harry, Harry raised this in an yeah, interview yeah, I was with just us. just going to say that. You know, he, he, you know, is it that the players just aren't there? You know? Who knows? We haven't been trying them enough, you know. Yeah. Well, as it, why as Beige cannot get a call up at left back, and we're using Matt Mackay, we're squandering so much talent in the wrong position. Players playing out of position, it's just for a national team, it does my head in. Yeah. You know, we we don't have to sign these players. We're not inheriting these players. We have the choice of an entire nation to choose the best players for each position, and we're playing players out of position. One one thing I will say is that, and and a lot of players haven't been given the opportunity, but you got to remember, we're not there. We're not there at training. Mm. You don't know what goes on. Mm. True. You know, Alex Brosk might be the best striker at the moment at training, and that's all mm. that Holger can go off. But there are kids out there playing in high leagues around the world mm. that haven't been brought into the camp at least. Yeah. To be, to be given Richard their Porter opportunity. Was, was spoken to in well, Dubai, I'm, I'm told, and, and also Josh Kennedy is but, to come yeah, back. Yeah, but, but Richard, Richard Porter, that was an option five years that's ago, right. maybe. Yeah. Mm. Why suddenly now, you know, when he's age 30? Mm. And can I just throw a name in there? <laughs> Get before, Kevin, oh, do you want to... I've got to take a break in a minute. Ellie Babalj, I'm just going, you know, putting it out there. I think he's a terrific striker, and I think he could perhaps bring that Vaduka role to us with, with, with uh, Josh not there. But I think Behic is, is ready to, for the step up. I mean, just watching him, he just gets up the park. So there's the headline, Behitch for the Socceroos. There. I got hammered last week for the Liverpool quote on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I mean, all things considered, 
we're in good shape. Back in good shape. Well, on the road to Rio again. Three home Back wins. Rio, Rio, here we come. Don't cancel the flights to Brazil just yet. <laughs> we can still that apartment that we've got to lease on, Kev, so we can yeah. still lease it? Yep, yep, good. yep. Go, go with that. All right, that's it for part two. We're going to be back in part three, and we're going to turn our attention to our very special guest, yes. Sarah Walsh, and the uh, imminent kicking off of the W League. Alessandro Del Piero has arrived down under, and the biggest signing in the history of Australian football sat down with us in his first major magazine interview. We also catch up with Wayne Rooney as he looks to lead Man United back to the top of the EPL. Look back on the first 20 years of the UEFA Champions League and find out how you and three mates could be heading off to London to report on a Chelsea Champions League game thanks to Adidas. Can Barcelona continue to dominate after the departure of Pep Guardiola? And we attempt to answer the age-old debate about which league is the best in the world. If you live, sleep and breathe football, then you need 442. On sale now at all good news agents and the App Store. Back to 442 Insider. Hello and welcome back to this week's 442 Insider Podcast. We're going to turn our attention to the women's game and uh, our special guest, Sarah Walsh. Walsh, let's talk about you, first of all. Um, just a few just a few notes. Here. 67 caps, 31 goals, three Asian Cups, one World Cup, one Olympics. Must have been tough to sort of call time on that and say, that's it for me. Um... To be honest, it wasn't tough to actually come out and make the decision. It was a decision that I probably contemplated for a like, hard six months. Um, but at the end of the day, my, really, my knee spoke loudly. It really couldn't, couldn't keep up with the, the intensity, that, the load that I needed to be able to maintain to play at that level. Um, not that, I guess, W League is that less demanding but I can pick and choose when when I want to train because you know there's some days that I can't train yeah and you miss a day of training internationally and you know you lose that match fitness so um at the end of the day yeah obviously it's difficult but I feel like I I probably overplayed a good two three years and that might be hard to believe because on the outside you know I scored two against New Zealand and but to to be able to step onto the field it took 300 percent out of me and, you know, I guess I, I don't really have the will to be able to put, put myself through that anymore. I had a pretty good run, I feel like, and a lot of those years were bonus years. Yeah. Best, best memories from, from your years representing the Matildas? Give us a, give us a top three. Top three? Uh, probably um, solidifying my spot in the national team. I'd been in the national team starting for a good six months, and it was under Adrian Sandtrap. And we went over to Mexico to play them before it was our pre-Olympic tour for Athens in 2004. And I really hadn't felt like I'd belonged there. And I'd scored a couple goals still, but it was just, it was that intense that you just, you know, you never really felt like you belonged. And I remember the coach come up and put some pressure on me before the game. And there were 30,000 to 40,000 fans at Azteca and they were loud. It's still possibly the loudest crowd I've ever played in front of. And um, I said, look, get off my back. I said, I'll score two today. <laughs> that were my words, and I scored two. Nice. And went and shushed the crowd. So that was, for me, that was the start of my career. Um, 2007 World Cup, uh, getting to the quarterfinals, probably winning against winning 4-1 against Ghana in the first game. We're, it was the unknown. We weren't sure how we were going to go. And, you know, then Devana just ran riot that whole tournament and 
coming back and not having to explain to the public what a Matilda was. You know, I'd say that was a Matilda. And that was a turning point. It was mm. just, you know, uh, yeah, just, I guess, the recognition from the public and the media after that. I feel like that was a turning point for the Matildas. And then at the Asia Cup win, yeah, it was... Uh, you know, it, it was one it was one game at a time, and we really just wanted to qualify for the World Cup. So we beat Japan. Shouldn't have beat Japan. No way. Shouldn't have beat Japan. It was one of those games where all the luck that we hadn't had for the last five years turned up that day, <laughs> and we won one nil. And I think that was wow, that was a big moment. We we weren't expected to, you know, go through, but that's the Matildas. Mm. I mean, over that time, you touched on it around the 2007 World Cup. You must have seen just a monumental shift in the recognition in the women's game, not just in Australia, but globally. You know, we've seen the, the, the World, recent World Cup in Germany, the crowds, the mainstream media support we've seen in the Olympics. You know, and it really feels like, does it feel like for you that, that women's football is conquering the big established nations now? You know, Germany, UK, that is starting to get that respect now in its own right. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, that's I guess that's a change that I've noticed as well. Um, from a player's perspe- perspective, going overseas, I played in the Pro League in 2008 or 2009, and noticing the change in the players, the, the international players, um, we'd gone from being a, a really hard team to play against, you know, but you really should beat. Uh, and our expectations changed, so we wanted to, you know, play consistent, you know, not beat a great team and the next day lose against Fiji or something like that. So we built consistency and then our expectations changed. And then I realised in playing in the Pro League, just speaking to other players, that, you know, we we had that underdog tag and I guess I felt there was a part of us that didn't want to let it go. And I don't know if that's an Australian thing or... But gradually I feel we've lost that underdog, underdog tag and... Um, you can tell by speaking to you know the US players and that that we are highly respected, um, and I think that was a change mentally we needed to take on. And, and now I think we're there that on any given day we can beat any team, and that's the truth. And I actually believe it. Before, you know, I thought it was depending on the day and depending on which players. But the way we took it to um, the US and well, it's only one half, but given our preparation compared to theirs, we outplayed them football-wise and with a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where are we going to yeah. be in three years? Mm. Yeah, and what was it like being at the Olympics in the sort of heartland of football at Old Trafford, seeing oh. 70,000 at Wembley for, for Team GB taking on Brazil? It was, uh, yeah, it was in different moments it was hard for me to watch the Olympics. Um, that would have been my last tournament. Um, but once I, I, I think it was once North Korea were kicked out, I was m- mostly disappointed about how they how they played. That wasn't the North Korea that we played and if they were going to take a spot I would have preferred that they actually used it. That was that was a disheartening thing. Um, not that they were there, that they didn't use the spot. They were an embarrassment to Asia. And we would have, you know, with half our team would have performed much better. Mm. But once they were gone I guess, you know, I really felt much better and then the game at Old Trafford, uh, the US versus Canada game. Oh. It actually wasn't enjoyable. It was horrible to watch. It was just, you know, up and down and up and down. But to be there was, yeah, I love that place. I guess that gives our players a real motivation for the next World Cup in, sorry, the next Olympics in Brazil. What yeah. a place to play football. Oh, 
Yeah, I might make a comeback. <laughs> to a soccer room. I was leading you on to that, actually. I mean, do you, do you spend time with with the the younger girls coming through to to just to ensure that they do appreciate how good they've got it right now? Do you spend time with them, sort of? You know, do, do you think they have an appreciation of just how tough it was when you were breaking into the team? to be a Matilda and to fight for that recognition and that awareness? I think that it's a lot to ask of a person when they never lived it. Um, If you look at when we didn't qualify in 2008, and although I was upset, I wasn't upset like Dialogic was because she knew it was her last. So really, you can't can't understand it unless you were there. But we do... We generally generally do have a great bunch of girls that are appreciative of what they have, but you always they are that next generation. So you know it was a lot easier for them. Uh, contracts, I think, I thought grew off a tree. Um, you know, mm. no, but you know there was a time when we weren't paid, and I played for Australia and wasn't paid. So you know it wasn't that long ago. Um, they are appreciative, but they are that next generation. You know, on their phones and in meetings and. Uh, the culture of the team has changed, but I think they do have good heads on. Talk us through some of these players who are coming through, Kathleen and Brown and, of course, Caitlin as well. How bright is the future for the game in this country, do you think? Uh, it's very bright. I, I could rattle off at least a good handful that are going to be the core group of our players for the next 10 years. Steph Catley was our best player in the US. Um, beside Devana, you know, she's a freak. But Steph Catley, I think she's 18. She played left back for us. There's nothing that girl can't do. Her technique, and, and at the moment, um, it's actually a luxury to have a left back, uh, a left-footed left back. You really don't, you know, recognise it until you don't have it. Her ability to, I guess, get up and back. Um, her, her technique, her vision, her maturity, really just astounds me. She just watch this space. She's going to be captain of Australia and. There, you know, yeah. Gee, there we oh, go. <laughs> I almost put her in my best 11. I don't know if I can say on the bench. Yes, there's a, there could be a perfect 11 coming up in, in 442 magazine in the next few issues from our guest today. Yeah. So, yeah so. Brilliant. I mean, let's talk about, about you and, and next steps. Obviously, during the World Cup, you did some media work for, for SBS. Yeah. Uh, you've got a role at the FFA yeah. in the mentoring program. Talk, talk to us a little about that. Uh, so uh, it's a full-time program. Uh, sorry, I'm a full-time at FFA. Um, it's with the game. I'm within the game development um, team. So, government funding have have allowed us to be able to send the A League and W League players out to the football community. I believe we sent Blake Powell and um, yeah, Nathan, Nathan Sherlock, Sherlock came down yeah. and spoke to our boys. It was excellent, really good. Yeah. So a few factors. It, it's obviously spreading the messages of illicit drugs in sport and the dangers of that. Um, but on top of that, I've realised that it's really helped with the personal development of the players, not only the females but the males, because you'd be surprised that public speaking for some of them is quite daunting and um, it takes them a lot. So it's nice for them to start, you know, with 12-year-olds and, and move up. So I've found that it's been able to, you know, help in that respect as well. So And it keeps, keeps me busy. I'm studying as well. I'm very busy. Mm. <laughs> I've got to ask you this question. You've seen the Del Piero effect in the A-League. Could we bring a martyr to the W-League? Your thoughts on that? We, we could. Um, I don't know. I, th- I feel like you know, we, we have a long way to go before you know, bring, bringing a martyr here, I think, would have a short-term effect. Um, I think we need to build a base here, build, build a fan base. You know, we need to be able to convert those fans um, 
you know, online fans and uh, to actually getting bums on seats, that's part of our problem. We, we do have a huge fan base, but in terms of getting them to buy tickets and come to the games, uh, we're not there yet. So I think, you know, you saw the effects of having Megan Rapino here last year. Yeah, it probably brought another 50 to 60, you know, fans to the games, but I think there's a lot, a lot... A lot of different things that we need to do before we get there. Is the W League as a league growing in awareness internationally? Uh, we, we saw Megan, but also other international guests coming over and playing. We've seen the international coaches coming and coaching at Canberra. Um, you know, is it starting to get that traction? Um, well, I mean, the awareness is there. A lot of a lot of players know about it, but it's still a place I believe that you know is enticing because of the location. Mostly, um, you know, we're not there at a, at a level. Um, where so I think we're on par with the W League in the US, most definitely. Uh, I don't think we'd have the quality to be able to add another team, so that says something. And then we still have an, a, you know a couple of teams that are still getting beat six nil. But if if this continues to grow as it as it will, you know another five years time, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I guess the Sydney Derby in the W League now, uh, which is coming up not this weekend, but in round two. Um, we were just talking off air about uh, how, uh, how much feeling that will have, like at Oval for the following week. Um, for me personally, it, it actually is just another game. I know a lot of those players. Uh, obviously, I've played with them for the last five years, so um, and, and longer than that. So in that respect, that I, I know a lot of their games and I know you know how to beat them at training. So. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, your, uh, on your, some would say, CDFC fans would call it a defection. Yeah. Okay. I guess when you're employed by the FFA and the FFA of Western Sydney, was that a natural sort of move across? Not really. Um, if I'm going to be Did honest. Did you have a choice? Oh, yeah, I had yeah. a choice. I, um, I, I've been with Alan Stadgick for the last, I don't know, since I was 15, 16, so... Uh, and considering it might be my last, uh, I thought it might be you know great to try a different environment. But I had hung my decision up on a phone call, one phone call that I had with him, and I guess I didn't hear the answers that I wanted to hear. Um, last year I struggled through the W League. I just had a my major surgery in December. I had microfracture surgery, so it took me a long time to get some match fitness. And I spent a lot of the time on the bench last year, which was which was deserved. So. Um, I basically put it to him and said, you know, if I'm playing great football, will I be rewarded with a start? And he said he couldn't promise that with, you know, the likes of Sam Kerr and, and Lena Kamas. And I thought, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm prepared to be benched when I'm not playing well, but if mm. I'm playing well, I'd like to start. Mm. Um, and, of course, you're, you're playing with Canooley as well, Catherine Canooley up at uh, Western Sydney Wonders. So it's a pretty interesting forward line. You got... Can you give us a quick insight into yeah. the, the Western Sydney side, how you shaping up, who's there, who would people look, look out for, maybe some names that they've not seen yet? Um, we have Savette Wuzenlai. Um, she's, she's our centre-back for the Matildas. So uh, I... I personally would like her to push up into the midfield. We could do with her playmaking there, but unfortunately I think we do need her in the back line. We have Tegan Allen, who she's actually she's come a long way, especially with the national team, so she's going to be key for us in the midfield going through there. We also have um, Canoli, like you said, uh, you know, with the little flicks and ball mm. skills up the top. She's always going to be a, a fan favourite. But I think for us the player to watch will be Jenna Kingsley. I don't know if you know of Jenna, but yeah. I think um, you'll, you'll start to see her brought in, be brought into camp much more. She's very serious. She's 
she's lightning quick, lightning quick. Um, she's been working on a finishing, which is coming along well. So I think, you know, she could be... Um, I'm, I'm playing more of a, a winger role this, this year. I've, I don't know how that's happened. It happened with the national team. Don't fancy dropping back into that sort no. of withdrawal number 10, just dictating <laughs> things. Yeah. We, Let the young girls do the running. I'll just sort of sit in here. And that's a natural progression when you get older. But I found myself on the wing and, you know, box to box running. And I remember saying to Tommy once before, what's happened? <laughs> I don't know. So that's, that's where I'll be playing for the, the Wanderers. And so you, you'll find that Jenna Kingsley's hungry, you know, in the middle of the park for goals. So bold statement but I think that she could be pushing um, Michelle for golden boot mm. this year and who's yeah. your tip for the W League this year could it be the green machine again oh well they've, they've just strengthened up their back line with Ariana Hinks um, Michelle's playing well I think they're favourites again yeah definitely how do you think you're going to do it's hard to tell uh, I think like the men what they said they're going to they're going to be very competitive that's one thing that we will be we're going to be a very difficult team to beat and um, you know, we do have big players in our team that can step up and, you know, we have a lot of other, I guess, Premier League players that are willing to work hard for the team. So uh, it's hard to say. It's really hard to how, say. How long have you been in training? Obviously, the season kicks off this week. What, what sort of pre-season would you do? Um, we had about a month and a half, but uh, myself, um, Tegan and Savette weren't there being away for the national team, so it's been, I guess... Uh, a bit messy for Steve to be able to, to work on, you know, shape and tactics. So it's it's really only been a solid month. And on that, it, it, are we are the, are the coaches for the the women's team and the men's team are they working together? Is it is it a club philosophy for Western Sydney Wonders in terms of a playing style, or is it, no. it coach driven philosophy? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we haven't had too much to do with the men. Um, and I don't know whether that's, you know, uh, we're not really training the same time they train. It's, it really has been quite, uh, I guess we, we've been quite distant from them. Uh, we were involved with the launch, but, you know, it's, it's just been so helter-skelter for them. Being in the office, I see what it's like. Everybody's chasing their tails, trying to mm-hmm. organise the men's team. So, um, But, you know, we've done a, we're doing a lot of community work. That's one thing that's not, uh, you know, just... For the press, we are really a community team, so we're spending a lot of time. Uh, we have plenty of appearances, and, and so do the men. So that, I think that's something that they've done a lot better than the other clubs. And how have you found that? Obviously, you know, we, we talked about Western Sydney being the heartland of grassroots football in Australia. And how have you found that? The, the, the women's and the girls' game is exploding at youth level, um, largely thanks to pioneers like yourself and the Matildas. You know, has it been great to sort of go and see that firsthand in a real sort of hotbed of football? It has, and I think the great thing is about it, they, they claimed that they were going to be the you know the community team and they've delivered, and when we do get out to the community, I think a lot of people appreciate that. We had our launch in Parramatta, and um, it was just uh, it was a little bit different to the launch that we had in Sydney FC, you know, Dalton House, and uh, the change, I think we had it... Um, I can't remember, it was some theatre in Parramatta. Parramatta Riverside. Yeah, the Riverside, Riverside. Theatre. And nothing against the theatre, but it was it was much more low-key. And I actually liked that. I think we had a dressing room where the lights didn't work. And, <laughs> um, but that's that's Western Sydney, and I think you know people will appreciate that. And it's it's definitely Western Sydney. OK, well, you kick off this uh, this weekend uh, away at Adelaide. Um, 
much beaten, often, be, often beaten Adelaide. You know, is, is, do we think the draw's been kind to, to give you guys a, a shot of winning your first game? Yes, I think it's, it's definitely <laughs> been kind. It's not nice that we have to... Uh, we travel the morning of the game and then um, travel home after it, but um, I'm thankful for the draw. Uh, I guess I'm not discounting Adelaide, but um, I think they have quite a young squad as well, so it'd be an interesting match, but... We're really at that point where it's, it's unknown. Like mm. I said, you can play against boys all you like, but it doesn't really prepare you for you know, a game where you're going to be. I'm, I'm definitely glad we're playing Adelaide, uh, you know, rather in Canberra, down in Canberra. That would have been hard. Mm. And Sydney FC uh, to follow soon after. Will, yeah. that, will we see that as a bit? We're going to see the men first go out this weekend. Uh, you know, it's all sort of sellout Parramatta, building up the rivalry on and off the pitch. Do we see that continue into the women's game? A few scores to settle for a few people? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, definitely between the coaches there's some rivalry and they, that filters down to the team. Um, I was saying this off air, but I'll say it on air. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, for me personally, it, it does feel like another game for me. I don't have any ill feeling towards Sydney FC. Um, I left on great terms. Um, like I said, the only difference being is that I really I know the ins and outs of the players that we'll be playing against. Um, but I feel there are a lot of players on our team and the other team where there is a little more rivalry. Uh, this is, I think, basically we have the Central Coast team um, from back in the day, mm. which you know some could argue that which it was the second eleven to the Sydney FC. Uh, you know, not being Alan Stadgic's first pick. So there's a, there's a little bit of that going point on. Point to prove, perhaps. Yeah, point to prove, definitely. Step up, show what they're yeah. made of. So that, I think you'll see some of that come out in the game. And, and Rochi, how, how does Rochi compare to, say, Stadgic as a coach? Have you had a chance to assess that? They're totally different um, in their approach. It's, it's a much more relaxed environment. Um, you know, he still expects a high intensity at training and, you know, he has high expectations for us. But... Uh, you know, even at times when I think we won the grand final, it was hard to get a smile out of stage. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a couple more smiles. And like I said, it's much more relaxed. We still do the work on the park. But, you know, you never never knew which stage you were going to get uh, at training. But I think um, if, if you are to be honest, I think the trainings at Sydney FC were a little bit more intense. Uh, if you look at the players that they have, they have much more Matildas mm. and... Um, in terms of that, but yeah, I'm really enjoying enjoying my football. This, you know, hasn't been a time where I haven't been running around with a smile on my head. Probably really annoying. There have been, been, been plenty of players that have carried on playing without training on, on dodgy knees. So I think we've got a couple more years yet from you. I mean, Paul McGrath at Villa didn't didn't train the whole time he was at Aston Villa. They signed him for Man United. He played six seasons, never trained once. Seriously, because his knees were so bad that all he did was just turn up on an exercise bike. Like, he went, he went from an exercise bike to the pub and then, <laughs> and then didn't try. Ledley King hasn't trained fully for, for If years. I'd known you could do that as a professional fo- footballer, I may have actually well, reconsidered well, my having, you know, When you read his autobiography, and you know, he's very open about sort of, you know, his, his alcoholism and how he dealt with that. Yeah. You think about how good a player he actually was, that he was, you know, playing games <laughs> at the highest level of World Cups <laughs> with having not trained and being drunk for most of the <laughs> You think about it, he, at that age, at my age, my touch is what it is. It's not going to go with I don't touch a ball in six months. I am the player that I am. And, 
not touching the ball isn't going to change that. So if I can get my fitness off a bike, which is what I do, I substitute a lot of my training sessions with a bike. And yeah. mm. if I can maintain, it's just you can't maintain it for international football like that. Mm. So, yeah. So uh, a few uh, non-training sessions for Walsh this year and uh, a few goals. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. All right. Well, all the best for the coming season. Uh, we, I think Western Sydney Wonders are going to be competitive, definitely. Yeah. And we'll be looking forward to the uh, to the first derby, but we hope that you get off to the season with a win at the weekend. Uh, and make sure that everybody follows the W League this year. Um, all right, that's it for part three. We will be back in the final part to preview the A League, where we have the first Sydney derby uh, as a prelude to the, the women's Sydney derby that follows the week after. Interested in getting dozens of leading business experts helping you for free? No, you're not dreaming. You heard us right. Dozens of Australia's leading business experts in your office, your car or on your phone 24-7 every day with tips, comments, discussion and simple ideas to help you make your business a success. Get your business on track with the right advice. Go to businesssuccessradio.com.au and click the Listen Live button. Business Success Radio. Your business, your radio. The latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to the final part of this week's 442 Insider podcast. We are now going to just preview round three of the Hyundai A-League. Um, kicks off at Etihad. Call it a sort of reasonable derby that's built up. Not a local oh, derby, but I, derby I, I think it's probably a rivalry. one of the biggest, if not the biggest rivalry in the A-League. Oh, yeah. uh, Victorians Victory and South Australians, they hate each other. So, Ange, so much history. Two defeats off the back of a spanking against Brisbane. Uh, would the last team you'd want to face probably be uh, Adelaide coming off the back of two wins, rolling into Melbourne? Top v bottom. Yeah. And who would have guessed that that would be this way around as well at the beginning of the season? Um, I think it's going to be a cracker, this one. really do. And I can see Victory getting another spanking. Because he doesn't mind his visits to Etihad either. If there is one coach in the A-League that loves rivalry rounds, it's got to be Cosy. He just raises, rises to these kind of occasions so much. Uh, and inflames them as well. It's brilliant. Obviously, Muskie no longer on the pitch, but he's opposite him on the on the coat in the technical areas. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's it's got all the ingredients. It's going to be great. I just I, I don't think they're going to get spanked. I think this is this is going to be the game that victory. It all comes together. I think Flores playing against his former team. He's going to lift to another gear. Let's face it. If he'd scored the other week in the derby, it would have been a different result. So I don't think they're that far <laughs> off at home. So I'm going to tip a victory for victory. Uh, I, I mean, with the exception of Mark Milligan coming back and Archie uh, and being Rojas a, as well, and Rojas, yeah, I just don't see that there's enough depth. I, I still don't see it's enough changes being made, especially to the defence. Well, it'll be interesting that's, that's whether or not he replaces Thomas with. Uh, with well, I agree with you. I think Kovic shouldn't have gone, but oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, both of them are great number two keepers, but I think you need somebody older and better as number one, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly. And that's, that's going to be your weak link. And then you've got a very poor defence in front of them. I, I, I did, we did have a chuckle in the commentary team on Fox. We were talking about Archie's gruelling journey back <laughs> to play the A-League this weekend. Gruelling sort of 13 hours in first class 
quality, <laughs> say, well, she, like, first class quality is a bit, bit better than my house. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, grueling is economy from London, but, yeah. you know, I just don't think it's grueling. I think it'll be fresh as a daisy, frankly. No, I think, I think Victory can, can um, you know, with Archie back and Milligan back and Rojas, I think I saw enough from the Melbourne derby to suggest that they're going to be pretty good at home. Um, it's still it's still going to be a great game, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Tips. Victory 3-2. 2 nil the Reds. Welsh. Draw. Score the straw. Man. Uh, one or draw. One-all draw, there we have it, work experience, Matt is coming with a one-all draw, I'm going to tip victory to get off the mark, I'm going to tip, at least going to be tight, I'm going to go one-nil victory, Flores. Mm. Another big crowd as well, 30,000 plus they're expecting, so a great, another another huge crowd. Okay, uh, the F3 derby, Newcastle host Central Coast Mariners, uh, Heskey got off the mark last week with a volley. So, <laughs> um, right, well, the, the backstory to this is his four years at Villa. You've been bagging. Sort of Villa fan. Oh. Three and a half million pound a goal it cost us. So oh. He scored nine goals in four years. So I finally got the chance at Sydney FC to give it to him. And then he scored in front of the goal. <laughs> I was like, can't believe it. Um, all right, so the Jets. What do we make of their uh, performance against Sydney? Can they then take that to home game? Well, actually, you know, before the the Sydney game, I did say that uh, I liked what I'd seen off them in the the opening round, and I think you know they built on that against Sydney, and I think they've got the the nucleus of a, a good side there. Uh, it's young, it's still coming together, uh, but no, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, Goodwin was the definition of live war uh, in the the game against Sydney. Great finish as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Little, uh, he hit the post as well. Yeah, the first time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I can see a lot of potential there, uh, and I think they've got depth in all the the main areas as well. You know, they've got a, a solid defence, they've got an exciting midfield, and they've got Heskey up front. You know, who's uh, Scoring goals as well as you know trying to set them up, but 41 seconds on the ball for uh, you know 80 minutes of play. Oh, that's, you know that's that's pretty sick. If it, you actually, it probably if you is. Give someone the ball that's the role and say right, right yeah. have that have that ball and you count 41 seconds. That's actually a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, yeah. I'm sure it is. But it, you know really when you like, actually see the bare figures, it just no, looks like even the likes of Messi that don't have much. I'm sure. Del Piero I'm sure it is. But, in contact with the ball. Um, but I, th- I think we saw enough from, from the way they're playing now that they're starting to understand how to play to Heskey. Yeah. Uh, and look, they've got a great side. Ryan Griffiths is another one. Yeah. Um, Goodwin is just going to have a fantastic season. Joby Wheelhouse as well. Um, and uh, yeah, look, I think it's going to be a great game. But they're, they're trying to get more than 20,000 for this game, so it's going to be a great atmosphere in Newcastle. I think the interesting thing is that they offer more. I, I think Newcastle are offering more at the moment than the Mariners are uh, as well. You know, I think they've got more depth than, uh, across the squad uh, and uh, possibly even more. You know, I think one of the encouraging things for me from the way that they've played, and we said this after the first round, and even more so against Sydney, was they they've used the the early long ball to Heskey sparingly. They've mixed mm-hmm. it up, yeah. and, that, and that keeps the defence sort of guessing. The temptation when you've got someone like that is to well, let's just get it up to him quickly and get people around him. And they've done that occasionally, but they've mixed it up as well. When Goodwin broke through and, and hit the post and that break, you know, and the goal that he scored, mm-hmm. you know yeah. that. 
that's not coming from a flick on from the from the big man. You yeah. know? and so. it'll be interesting to see who actually sort of picks them up. Uh, if it's Ransreich versus Heskey, that's 72 years of football experience right there. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Yeah, yep, it is. <laughs> there you go. All right, tips. Jets. Jets. Jets 2-0. Going for another 2-0. Yeah. 2-0. And Hesky just Hesky to score. Newcastle. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Hesky with the hat-trick. <gasps> oh, oh, no. 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 Planets no. will arrive. No. <laughs> the Mayans predicted this. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe it is true. Maybe the world is going to end in 2012. Heskey's going to score a hat trick. Did you not pre- uh, predict a Heskey hat trick last year? Yeah. Is and this you, becoming the podcast? As well. <laughs> just keep predicting it until it happens. It's, it's the a podcast tradition already. Bold. All right, I'm going to go one all. I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be very, very tight. Good All right, that. Saturday what, what evening. Two nil. Two nil. Yeah. There you go. A lot of love for Newcastle. All right, the uh, the first Sydney derby, Paramount Stadium, a sold out Paramount Stadium. What's the actual? Do we know what the twenty thousand seven hundred is the capacity? Yeah, yeah and I but think that's not technically a sellout though, because there's seven hundred tickets left for members potentially to buy before the game. I was right? going to say yes. There is this uh, sort of vague area of membership sales and how many they've held back for possible. Ah, uh, okay, people yeah. buy the so membership. They don't sell like seven hundred. The only you way you'll get to see the derby this weekend is if you buy a membership, basically. Smart. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, like no, very Smart. clever. Very clever. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, so you're going to be going along. Uh, sorry, is it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. no, I can't. I'll be in Adelaide. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 I just no, gave my two tickets away on Twitter. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was watching that, yes. Had one reply. Seriously? <laughs> <laughs> what does that say? I don't know if it's a, a personal attack or if it's a... Uh, <laughs> when did that go up? Yesterday. Right, so anyway, I, follow- gave, I already gave him away. Oh, I've already gone. So if you follow Walshie on Twitter, that was your chance to get tickets to sell out Darwin, but they've already gone. All right, how do we think this is going to pan out? Both teams searching for their first win. Sydney searching for their first point. I think that... that Big crowd. My point of interest is who's going to be skippering Sydney, uh, to be honest, in this one. Uh, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about Terry McFlynn. Uh, if I was crookie, I would have him on the bench for this game and bring somebody else in, but uh, I suspect that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but you've got Sydney with uh, poorest defence, uh, Wanderers with strong defence, and nobody scoring goals. Uh, I can see it being a nil-nil, to be honest. Really? Yeah. How are you saying Sydney are the poorest defence? Victory are the poorest defence on goals conceded. Yeah, but you know they did concede three uh, at the weekend. Yeah. So, you know. Oh, Kalina is supposedly. Three weeks away. Yeah, he's not. I don't think he's going to be ready. So for this one. He's not going to be in reckoning for this. So no. I mean, I mean, who would you replace if if you're not going to start McFlynn with Paul Reid coming? Oh, I'd say Paul Reid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if he's fit, I think he's he's the natural uh, holding midfielder, uh, and you know, a step up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as to who would be the skipper, that, that that's uh, another issue, and I'm not actually sure necessarily. There's somebody who would automatically spring to mind for that, apart from. Giving it to somebody like Del Piero, but I don't I think that actually that's actually given. not a. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, but, I mean, McFlynn came out before the start of the season when Del Piero signed, said that he would be happy to step aside, as you know, and understood why they might want to mm. make Del Piero captain. Of. That was really the opportunity, wasn't it? It, it was. It makes it difficult when he's the team captain. Yeah, unless he picks up a mystery injury. <laughs> 
but can Sydney afford any missed injuries? They've got enough real injuries. Yeah. <laughs> is Ryle going to be the centre of defence with um, uh, McLennan McLean. and perhaps... Would McFlynn play right back, do you think? Yeah. And, well, I mean, and Reed in the centre as a holding? Yeah, it would certainly get them out for Hall, you know, with uh, Adam. I mean, that's the other reason that the, the defence is going to be porous, I think, this yeah. weekend. The potential we have porous. heard the latest on Boshart. What's his likely return? He's still a couple of weeks I think, away, I think. I think he said four or five weeks, so right. it's, it's still a while. I think it's the Melbourne victory game he's targeting as okay. a comeback. But look, I, two things I just want from this game. Another Del Piero goal. And please, no violence on the terraces. You know, there's been a little Bloody bit hooligans. of there's been a little bit of talk, but let's just hope that it's just one of those nights where you just remember it for the football. All right, tips. One one. No no. Oh, Kev. Walshy. Head or heart. Um, two nil Sydney FC. Controversial. Matt. Matt. Well, one nil Sydney FC. One nil Sydney FC. Oh, I'm going to buck the trend here. I think. This is going to be a high scoring. I'm going to go thrill. Wow. Yeah, I just <laughs> okay. think it's going to be like. I think there's going to be so much passion. I think there's going to be such a big crowd. I just think there's going to be loads of mistakes. There's and maybe a red. Loads of goals. Maybe a red card as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it's all on. I think everything's going to happen. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> That's Remember those old ding dongs between Sydney and the Mariners, like yeah. the four all. And yeah, the, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be one of them. I think Brilliant. it's going to be like. Head, you know, heart overhead. Everyone's going to be flying in. I think it's going to be mistakes. Gonna... So someone will fly on Del Piero. It'll spark a melee, and then the whole <laughs> yeah. thing kicks off, and there's goals and red cards. That's pretty brilliant. Great. It's be brilliant. Dreamers. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> <laughs> Glory hosts Melbourne Heart. Uh, good test this for uh, for John Aloisi. Big test for Hayden Fox. <laughs> Will he sport his outfit out west? <laughs> will, he get out, will he get back on the plane if he does? Uh, glory last season was very difficult to uh, to beat away from, you know, away from home for yeah. teams travelling over there. Uh, they're back at NIB Stadium after their uh, their opening game was played away at uh, Patterson Stadium. It's a reduced capacity NIB Stadium, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I think there's talk about getting your tickets early because there's a chance that you might not be able to get get to see the game. I believe so. All oh, right. Yeah, and smelts back as well, presumably yeah. um, from his national team duties. So yeah, I quite fancy a, your high-scoring draw for this one. To be honest, I think both teams are in good form, and uh, yeah, I can see a two-all there. Well, so you, you've travelled over to play games in Perth. Is it as difficult as as people say? To, it is. To get out there and then get off the flight and perform and. Yeah, it is. It's no surprise that Perth have a great home record because mm. that five hours is a killer. You know, two, three, you watch one movie, but you know, you finish your movie and you're still only halfway. Um, if, if you watch your movies, I don't know. Um, do you stretch on the plane? I mean, do you have a, like an hour or two just uh, blocked blocked off for the players? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, yeah, we block off in business. Mm. We're up in business. We do get up, you wear your skins, but it's it's five hours sitting, you know, sitting in that position and um obviously they go go overnight but yeah, you just it's it's nothing like sleeping in your own bed at that, you know, and not having to travel five hours. It's really no surprise they really have an advantage. Uh, with that five-hour flight, but again, they have to make then five they have hours to travel away. Yeah, yeah. More, more so yeah. takes a toll on their results mm. as well. I think this will be a fairly dour game. I think Melbourne Heart these days very solid under Aloisi. I think Perth at home is solid as well. So I'm going to. I think it's going to be a one-one draw. Okay, Kev. 
Ah, I'm going for the 2-2 two, two draw. 2-2 two, two draw, Walshie. 3-2 three, two, Perth. I'm with Adol. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 Glory, Schmelz. Matt? I'll go with Adol with a one-all draw. One-all draw. Yeah. There we go. All right. Uh, what's quite funny is that every single game we've had, yeah. win either way and a draw. No one knows really what's going on. Um, all right. Wellington Phoenix host Brisbane Raw. Phoenix get their uh, their World Cup um, players and their coach back. Uh, Brisbane Raw travel over, buoyed by a thumping home win. Mm. Could be the game of the round on yeah. paper. Yeah. Can't wait for this one. Yeah. Um, so impressed by Wellington. They're just so solid, and they've added some players to the mix. Um, you know, Fenton and, and Heisigams. Yeah, this is we hard to... keeps unearthing these. Yeah. You know, obviously, Fenton people have talked about before, but you know, Heisigams came from nowhere. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You know, yeah. Nobody really heard yeah. him. You know, similar to Paul Lott, the signing of Eiffel. You know, people that are coming in. So he's obviously got a good scouting network mm. um, and he you know, does his coach, background players because with a club like Phoenix they can't afford to get it wrong mm. Mm. you know they haven't got the financial backing mm. to sort of make many recruitment mistakes and he mm. consistently gets it right but they're building for the future we're talking about building for the future they've got the academy system in place now and I think I think it's a club that will one day dare I say it win the grand final um, but I don't want to tip them too soon but look uh, I think you're talking about a bit of fireworks I think there will be I think Manny Musket's first tackle on Broich will spark a melee and there'll be a little bit of fireworks there's going to be a lot of melees this weekend <laughs> a if melee weekend you guys are the hooligans <laughs> it's a rivalry round isn't it <laughs> you know I think, I think it'll, it'll be fiery early but Brisbane um, yeah, it's just so attractive to watch and you know Barisha as well I mean, okay. we saw we saw a different side to Brisbane you know, one of the goals came directly from a, a long kick from the keeper I mean Victor were playing such a high line you know are we seeing so, you know, the, a, a slight variation in the fact that Brisbane might be prepared to go away from home especially and you know, and, and do what it takes to get those results and, I think, and not be as rigid in that we're going to play out from the back every time no matter what no matter who we're playing no matter what the score is I think Brisbane are playing the no playing the game that fans always wanted them to see where it is, could be so frustrating under Ange to see them try and do the Arsenal thing of walking it into the goal all the time every time uh, that a criticism whereas, of Ange? Yeah, it would, I would never criticise Ange I have nothing but respect for Ange I've always had respect <laughs> for Ange but he was wrong <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, uh, but now that you know they're, they're prepared to play the long shot, they're prepared to play the long ball. That mm. are direct when it's pass, on, I think, and I think early pass, was direct yeah. pass uh, when it's a, when it's a, a viable option, and the much better team for it as well. Uh, the more dangerous and more entertaining as well, uh, even though it's not necessarily Foz quality football. Okay, I know. Yeah, look, this, I think this could be the game of the round. Ding-dong battle. I think both sides will end with ten men. Two-two draw. <laughs> Fans right. to score. Well, she? Uh, one nil to Brisbane. OK. Um, I think there's going to be goals in this. I'm going to go three-two Brisbane. Matt? I was going with Jacko. Three-two to Brisbane. Good man. Right choice. Right Good choice. Good luck. Alright, so if Kevlar, you believe your tips. Oh sorry, Kev. Yeah, just just ignore me. Two one to uh, to Roar. 
Okay, right. So if you believe the collective wisdom of the podcast this week, there's going to be 15 goals, four <laughs> fights, six, de- six red cards, and, and away we go. A partridge in a pear tree. A few fights in the stands. Well, let's not let's hope, hope not. No. Let's hope not. You kids. And are, uh, finishing with a Rebecca Wilson article. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There you go. All right, so... Round three is upon us. Opening round of the W League is upon us. Walsh, thanks so much for coming in yes. as always. And good thanks luck for having me. And uh, enjoy football. Get out and watch. Get out and support the W League as well as the A League. Get out there and, uh, and support your local side. And we'll be back next week to pick the bones out of everything. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.